Sean and Eds do baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we're doing some baseball today. Yeah, that's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story pitcher, sorry, story catcher, doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be telling them. That's right. Never seem to get that right. And unlike pitch tracks, (laughs) I'm not able to communicate with you without speaking. (laughs) That's right. What this story is. (laughs) No. Is that it? would be very boring for the listeners, too. <laughs> you were, we were com- communicating in Morse code what the story is. Yeah, one day Morse, code's pod, Morse Code podcast will we'll take over. <laughs> yeah, that'll be our niche where we just explode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited today, Edzie. It is May. It's going to be May. It is May. Yeah. May. Yeah. That's right. I don't know why I'm excited, but it's May. Spring's here. It's baseball time. I got a a a, a doozy. Let's a call doozy it. today. Call it a doozy. I remember. I don't know how to spell doozy, and you've laughed at me multiple times with this one. I don't know if anyone. I don't. I'm not sure that I know how to spell doozy. All right. Anyway, well, before are you going to start your story? I don't think we should start. Yeah, we should tell the people to follow us on Twitter at doing baseball, and Instagram at doing dot baseball, and I guess on TikTok at doing baseball. It's a new thing. Yeah, that's right. That's definitely, definitely. Yeah. The TikToks have been amazing. Yeah. And I was actually going to throw to you oh, okay. to say, where can the people find us? All right. Well, <laughs> I just stepped on your toes a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. It's totally fine. It's a lazy day today. It was, is a little gloomy. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of energy, but hopefully we can bring some fun. Uh, this is an interesting one. So if you haven't listened to our last couple episodes, uh, there was... The Sweeney episode, mm-hmm. uh, which was an well, Uncle Charlie, yeah, Charlie Sweeney uh, with uh, with Junk Baller. That was a that was a great great episode. And the last one, Edzie did uh, a lot of off field stuff talking about the history of the Eagles and and their softball hijinks. Um, so and today their, we're their animosity with the Rolling Stone <laughs> magazine. Yeah, well, you know, right. it all builds. Right. It builds. Right. Uh, but today we're getting back on the field, and this is one of those episodes where I found myself. You know, using baseball reference mm-hmm. as much as, as books and articles and all that to tell the story. Okay. Um, but our story is going to begin with the birth of Hugh Chalmers in the year 1873. Superintendent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Superintendent what Hugh year? Cha- 1873? 1873. Okay, a while ago. Yes. So he had a strong business acumen. Uh, from a young age, and took full advantage of the child labor laws at the time. Okay. So he did not enslave children, but he began working in finance and sales at the age of 14. Okay. So he worked... I guess he's a pretty smart guy, obviously. Yeah, he's a a pretty smart guy. You'll see, he comes up with an idea that basically drives our story here. So he worked at the, the National Cash Register... Uh, basically, so he sold cash registers. That's what he did. Okay. Uh, and and so it's he, not like the country's 
yeah. cash register. Well, it's National Cash Register. I guess that's the company's name. Uh, I really right, just immediately I was like, so he's the cashier for the entire country. <laughs> we what got is... a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's uh, what's his name? Uh, the the fuck Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I gotta shake things up. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, so he he works. He starts working at fourteen at this company. He rises mm-hmm. to vice president of the company by the time he's thirty. So oh, okay. very bright. I thought you were gonna say thirteen. Like, I guess that wouldn't make <laughs> no. sense if you started at fourteen. I was like, this guy is really right. What kind of company is this? How old's the president? <laughs> no, he's like a sixteen-year-old kid. <laughs> no, he's thirty. Okay. Still, so he's All very, right. still very young to be holding a, a vice president job. He becomes very wealthy, and in 1907, Roy Chapin. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyways, he's an early automaker at Thomas Detroit which is an auto company. Mm-hmm. So he reaches out to Chalmers and and basically wants Chalmers to save this company. Okay. So he offers he Chalmers... to be like an angel investor. Well, no, no. He offers him the, the job of president of Thomas Detroit, uh, believing he could turn the company around and build a solid oh, independent okay. sales I force. I got you. Yeah, because, okay. you, you know, he's selling cash rich. Anyways, he, he has a large network. So anyways, Chalmers takes over the company uh, and eventually uh, he would buy out the former owners and this company would become the chalmers motor company on january 26th 1910 the year our story takes place okay all right okay so he's he's running uh he's he's taking over this car company in where is he it's it's 1910. It's in Detroit. Okay, it's in Detroit. Yeah, it's 1910. But he wants to make a big splash, right? Because he's a, a first of all, cars are new, right? Not everyone can afford a car. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty luxurious thing, right? So, anyways, uh, so I'm gonna start uh, basically by by citing my sources because there was two main sources for this. I you know, there was a few others. I listened to some interviews and stuff. But, anyways, uh, the amazing book uh, by Rick. Uh, Hune, I hope I'm saying that right, Rick, uh, called The Chalmers Race. Uh, I'll give you the rest of the title of that book at the end of the episode because it might give it away. Uh, That's where most of the quotes come from and actually most of the information. I read some of this book. Not all of it, but I definitely read a few articles from people that did read the whole thing (laughs) and summarized it pretty well for me. Um, That's good. Also, there was a Sports Illustrated article uh, from 19, or not 1910, from 2010 uh, by L. John Wortham. Uh, entitled The Amazing Race. Once again, John, I hope I didn't screw up your name. So, (laughs) let's go. So, Chalmers wants to make a big splash. He's a baseball fan. Uh, Now he's running a car company. Mm -hmm. So, why not combine the two things? In the winter of 1910, shortly after he takes over the company, he approached baseball's National Commission with an idea. He wanted to give a car to the player who won the batting title. Oh... Great idea. Great idea. Right? A tradition that continues to this day, I believe. Honestly, yeah. You think about it, the home run derby or the whatever, the I mean, all-star don't, game. Don't you the... win a car if you win the MVP? Well, maybe. I think you do. Well, you're going to... I mean, this this is where it all started. So okay. This is sports marketing. Once right. again, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He takes over the company. He says, all right, well, I'll offer a car. Everybody loves baseball, so, right. you know... 
people will be able to, you know, see. And, and the idea is they're going to give this card to the player at the game one of the World Series. Yeah, and it'll be associated with the best player. So, like, you know, yeah. the best player needs the best car. So, like, a Chalmers car must be a good car. 100%. Okay. Um, yeah. So, this... In 1910 is where three of America's favorite thing, things collided head on. Baseball, cars, and corruption. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So this is the statement uh, that was sent out to both uh, American League and National League teams. So it's across both the major mm-hmm. leagues. Uh, it's it sent out on March 25th, 1910. All right. This is to notify all major league players that the Chalmers Detroit Motor Company of Detroit, Michigan has offered through the National Commission a Chalmers 30 car, right? So, right. Like, this so is, they're announcing it officially yeah. to all teams yeah. like, hey. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is, is just not. Grabs. Yeah, it's not just any car. So it's like it's a Chalmers Model 30. Which essentially, okay. I think I looked it up. It was, uh, it was, it's a thirty horsepower four cylinder, along with a plush vinyl upholstered interior, Ooh. protected by a retractable top. Pretty new at the time, uh, and uh, at the time, cars were only you know for the very rich. So at the time, one in one hundred or one in two hundred Americans owned a car. And looking up uh, the Chalmers Model Thirty right here, that's a very nice looking vehicle. It is. Um, so this is an early sports marketing ploy. Uh, <laughs> it would not just enrapture a nation, but it would divide baseball into two groups <laughs> as one group worked to have their guy win the batting title and the car, <laughs> even when he was on the opposing team. Really? Yes. So, so they, it sounds like they picked a guy who they wanted to win, and then they... You'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite part about this podcast. <laughs> You'll see. So Don't assume nothing. Don't assume. You will see. So remember the MVP. We kind of talked about this. It's not a thing at the time. Okay. Uh, so there's no most valuable player award or whatever. Uh, and the batting average is the golden stats for hitters in the dead ball era, mm-hmm. which were but it's it's mainly just bragging rights. Yeah, there's no yeah. title or anything. there's no title. You know, maybe you get a I doubt you get, you get a, a bonus. steak dinner. Yeah, yeah, probably. You, you won dogs. the batting order. Yeah, you get a couple of docks and sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, a pair of socks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't spend them all in one place. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, okay, so this, so for the first time ever, this gave baseball fans something to cheer about and to follow and to debate other than the league standings and their own mm-hmm. teams right okay so our story focuses on two men uh who most baseball fans will have heard of but i will start by introducing the national league batting champ third runner-up in 1910 let's say i'm not exactly sure on that someone in the al might have been third okay. um, but simply because i like his name sherry mcgee sherry mcgee <laughs> all right so, uh, McGee was a premier hitter in the dead ball era and would go on to get drunk before a game and beat umpire Will Finneran unconscious in 1911. <laughs> so, All right. There we go. Um, but first, he would have his best season of his career uh, in 1910. McGee was a good hitter, uh, but only uh, had put up a 291 batting average over the first six years. Uh of his career. 
So only two ninety one. Yeah, yeah. So he was an unexpected contender, uh, but he ends up hitting three thirty one from a, a mediocre Philadelphia Phillies team, okay. uh, and three thirty one is a great average. But it wouldn't come close to the two men competing in the AL. Okay. So. So you just you wanted to mention that guy because his name was Sherry McGee. <laughs> yeah, and then he beat an umpire unconscious. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, sounds like something a dude named Sherry McGee yeah, would do. At first, I wasn't sure how long this one was going to be. It's pretty yeah. long, but yeah. uh, <laughs> throw that little tidbit in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 1910. The obvious favorite to win the batting title, I believe, is probably Honus Wagner, mm-hmm. but Ty Cobb. Would be okay. many people's guesses. Right. Right? How long had Ty Cobb been around at that time? Ty Cobb is 23. Okay. And he's coming off three straight batting titles in the American League. Okay. So it's be a pretty safe bet. Yeah. So he batted 377 in 1909. Okay. It's pretty good. Are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the... I'm going to take the over. Ooh, all right. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I seem, feel like the under is really the way to go, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so <laughs> Cobb was stoked to hear about the prize and wanted nothing more than to add a Chalmers Model 30 to his growing collection of automobiles. Oh. So Cobb had, a collector. He is. Cobb had married Charlie Lombard two years earlier, an heiress to a $300,000 fortune. And since then, Cobb had bought several cars and even a dealership in 1909. Oh, damn. So not even on his on his baseball salary. This is just like off his wife's family money. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's just rolling in cars now. He's rolling. He's 23, turning 24, I think. He's... Already won three batting titles. He's okay. married. Oh. So what you're telling me is Ty Cobb is maybe one of the first car collectors. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Cool. I didn't even think about that, but yes, 100%. Cool. Um, so so he starts collecting cars and opens a dealership because he's like, what am I going to do with all these cars? Mm-hmm. That's my Ty Cobb voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> it's Cobb. very good. <laughs> I'll try to remember that. Okay, so Cobb being Cobb, of course, in 19... 19- Oh, eight. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, he's also a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so he's a piece of shit. So in 1908, he had been arrested uh, for assaulting an automobilist in a road raid, rage incident, probably, I'm gonna say, unofficially on this podcast. God, you got such a sweet car, man. I'm gonna beat the <laughs> shit out of you. <laughs> so I, it could be the first recorded incident of road rage in okay. American history. Right. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I don't know if that's true. We're just gonna confirm that that's what happened. <laughs> Okay. So, also, according to the New York Post, Cobb didn't just fight people driving on the roads. He fought guys building the roads, too. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So, Cobb ignored... He's attacking my people. Yeah. <laughs> Cobb ignored an order from a black man laying asphalt in Detroit to stop walking. Then, after the two argued, Cobb started a vicious fist fight and was overheard using the N-word against the road paver. So... Okay. I'm setting the scene for who Ty Cobb is right. okay. at this time. Painting a picture of Cobb's character. Yeah. So this is this Shitty. is his relationship to automobiles. <laughs> okay. He's already fighting people in cars and assaulting road workers and being racist. Mm-hmm. So... uh 
as we know, he's a real piece of shit. And uh, from Hoon's book, uh, you can see uh, Cobb probably wants the car more than the pennant in 1910, unofficially. Um, but here's, <laughs> hearsay, but here, here's, here's what he had to say. <laughs> an offer of an automobile is awakening a lot more enthusiasm among both players and fans than any trophy could be offered. I would much rather win an automobile than any other prize. <laughs> I hope to be lucky enough to own a new Charmer's call car next fall. I want to emphasize new because not only did Cobb own a bunch of cars, yeah. he owned a Chalmers 30. Mm, but he wanted a new one. He wanted a new one. Okay. Like, this one's got a I retractable... Take, I just want to also take back what I said earlier about it being hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a clear yeah. declaration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I would prefer to have the car than yeah, the pen. I, I was going to say, yeah, so... <laughs> That's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. So you're going to find out, you know, Cobb's teammates don't uh, uh, appreciate some of his behavior. I, yeah, I guess you wouldn't. No. He's no. So anyways, need a drink. Cobb was confident that he would have his new car by the fall. Uh, but when the official update was released on July 1st or July 4th, I'm not exactly sure, uh, Cobb was hitting a ridiculous... 379 through 269 at bats, but was in second place. Oh, okay, so he's on, he is over. He is over, but so he's far. not winning. Yes. So, and the reason I want to also talk about, uh, so there's no baseball reference at the time. No, of course not. No. no, of course not. There's no internet at the time. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah. but there's there's no way to follow anybody else's batting average mainly other than your own team. Okay. Unless you live in a hub where you can collect a whole bunch of newspapers right. from all over the US. Sure. Uh, so there's not like a so what you're, like the sports page isn't covering, you know, all the teams. You're just getting you're well, just and, getting the Tigers scores in Detroit is what you're saying. And if you're getting somebody's batting average, it might be 3 days old. Okay. Yeah. Like it is unless it's covering the game from yesterday. Right. If they're like Ty Cobb's hitting 377, mm -hmm. but it took a train two days to get you that paper. Mm -hmm. You know, I got you. Yeah. Anyways, but there's an official release every now and then. Major League Baseball releases an official stats update. Mm -hmm. So, July 4th, which or... includes reports of why baseball is purely an American game. Exactly. <laughs> so, who is leading Cobb is none other than Napoleon Lejoie. Okay. Here we go. And I'm glad we're on the same page with Lejoie because I've heard some Lejoie, like, And baseball I'm reference has two pronunciations. Yeah, I was watching Ken Burns baseball the other day and he pronounces it Napoleon Lajoie. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's Lajoie or there's Lejoie. That's Lejoie. We're Canadian, so Lejoie. Um, so he's hitting 402. Okay. So it's halfway go, go through. Go on, nappy. Yeah, there you go. So this is... Okay, I've already said this part. Uh, so with three months left, Nap Lejoie uh, was a clear favorite to take take home the car. Lejoie was the antithesis of the young, brash 23-year-old Cobb. Nap was already a legend with a near-spotless record, uh, although he did spit tobacco juice in an umpire's eye once, but never mind that. 
Like, mm-hmm. compared to Cobb, he's a saint. I feel like that's not that uncommon of an occurrence in these days. <laughs> yeah. You know. But if you compare him to Cobb, he's a saint. So, LeJoie, unlike Cobb, Cobb has been in the in the majors for three or four years. Right. Uh, LeJoie's a, a second baseman. He's a 15-year veteran at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had hit four twenty-six almost a decade earlier in 1901. Wow. In fact, uh, Lejoie had led the AL in batting for four years straight from 1901 to 1904. But from 1905 through 1909, Knapp's batting average fell as he as he put up a good but not great 319 average across those years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny that they're like, you know, it's good, but it's not great. Well, his know, like... career batting average overall in the end, I believe, was... was 338. Right, so right. it's below average. Mm-hmm. Different time, but still, it's just, you know. Yeah. It's odd to see like 319 being like lamented as like not. Hey, he had a down year, hit well, 320. Well, you'll find out why, because Knapp had not just had to play second base, but he was burdened uh, after his great stretch. Uh, he was burdened. With not just being this second baseman, but the um, or the the umpire, the manager as oh, well. Okay. So he resigns from being manager. I believe he's manager in 1905 to 1909. Mm-hmm. So he resigns during that season in order to focus on his play. And as you can see, it kind of works. Yeah. Uh, with less on his plate, Lejoie thrived at the plate. I don't know. I actually wrote that sentence with no irony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Less on his plate, he did much better at the plate. (laughs) I should have put a rewrite on that. I really should have rewrote that. Um, (laughs) Nav's resurgence was big news, and the spotlight was immediately put on the 35-year-old playing for a team that bore his name. So he's playing for the Cleveland Naps. Um, The Tigers and the... the greatest honor of all time. Exactly. You're so good, they named the team after you. So not just is this official update announced, but it's announced... During or before, there's a couple different dates. But anyways, uh, they're playing a five-game series from July 1st to July 4th. The Tigers and the Naps. Mm-hmm. So it just adds to it. Everybody starts getting excited. And yeah. It's like, oh, the two like, batting oh, champs. The showdown or, yeah. the two dudes. Yeah. yeah. So the Tigers took three out of five. And Cobb was able to gain a few points on LeJoie by going two for two with two walks and two RBIs. The race was on. And Cobb's, Cobb, 20 points back, hitting 382 uh, going into the second half. But two weeks later, at the all when the All Star Game was held, the Tigers sat in fourth place and the Naps in fifth. Uh, but who gave a shit? Nobody. Nap Lejoie's bat had gone cold since the series versus the Tigers, and he was now hitting 379. And Cobb losing his step but keeping pace was hitting 372. Okay, so it's still close. It's very close, and this is you know middle end of July. So on July 19th, it finally happened. Uh, Nap was held hitless, and the Naps were held to just four hits by Dolly Gray and the Washington Senators. Lejoie's average dropped to 374. Meanwhile, up the coast in Boston, Cobb went three for six off Boston's Ed Carger uh, in a 14-inning marathon, giving him a 376 average and the lead in the Chalmers race. All right, so in the Chalmers race. <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, so Cobb get would... Get that fucking car. Yeah. Cobb would relinquish the lead the very next day, but the men and baseball fans everywhere were enthralled going uh, with the ongoing duel happening on the stat sheet. 
uh, heading into the home stretch of baseball season. So on September 1st, we jump ahead. Okay. Uh, the AL Not pennant. that much left in the season now. Well, yeah, the season goes pretty deep. The season goes to October 8th this year. Okay. Uh, but even on September 1st, the AL pennant was was decided. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 no, it's not the Philadelphia. Either way, whoever was out front. Right. doesn't matter to this story. Uh, with just over a month left in the season, oh, yeah, the Philadelphia Athletics held a commanding 16-game lead in the pennant race. Uh, the Tigers were playing well, but essentially competing with Boston and New York for second place. Mm-hmm. This is why you look at your script. <laughs> and the Naps uh, were doing miserable, and in August they had a sh- just a shit month, and they fell below 500. Mm-hmm. They were completely mm-hmm. out of the race, even for second place. Not that second place got you anything in this time. Right. Um, but as you say, like now... You know, having this race been created, this gives at least, uh, you know, Cleveland fans and Detroit fans something else to go to the the game and pay attention to. A hundred percent. So in the dog days of summer, neither Cobb nor Lajah could keep up their torrid pace. And by September 1st, when another official leaderboard update was announced, Cobb sat atop the leaderboard hitting 366 to Naps 355. Okay. So the gap's widening a little bit. A little bit, but it's still tight. With both leagues having somewhat boring pennant races, the country's focus fell solely on the Chalmers race. Okay. Cobb and Lejoie's bat- win that car? Who's going to win the car? Uh, <laughs> Cobb and Lejoie's batting averages started taking over the headlines instead of the games or even na- important national issues. <laughs> of course. Well, this is a national issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just nothing's changed, remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Cobb would later say in his autobiography, the Chalmers contest became more vital issue than a political rift between President Taft and former President Teddy Roosevelt, or the crackdown on trusts by the Supreme Court. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so There are some pretty hefty issues going on at the time <laughs> that are getting just swept over by this uh, baseball race. Well, it's also, it's also uh, Cobb inflating his ego a little bit. I'm, okay, I'm, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah you got to yeah. take that a little bit. Right, but right. At the same point. Yeah. Uh, so it's a long season. I'm more important than the president. 100% yeah. something Cobb would want you to think. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the long season was also beginning to take its toll on Cobb. He missed almost two weeks of games in September. I believe he had vision problems. I honestly didn't look into it too much, but he did have vision problems somewhat this season. Okay. So that's why I just noticed when I was going through the day-to-day box scores that he missed a, 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 about 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cobb's average sat at 366, and from September 17th to September er, 21st, Nap would go on a heater. LeJoie collected 10 hits in 14 at-bats over four games, bringing his average to 366. Damn, that is a heater. There so you he go. pulls him dead even. Exactly. Okay. So there's two weeks left in the season. Both Cobb and LeJoie are around that 366, 365 mark. At this late in the season, right, you're getting into those like further decimal points yeah. in some yeah. cases. Um, so <laughs> people started choosing sides. Okay. <laughs> so I could see that because you've got these two very vastly different characters. So I could see that how this race would be very polarizing. Yeah, I mean you're not you're not a father, but if if someone said your daughter's bringing home 
Ty Cobb or Nap Lajoie. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you more excited? (laughs) Well, they didn't name them the Detroit Cobbs. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, he's probably over the course of history proven to be a better player, but a much bigger asshole. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So um, it was an easy choice for many. Outside of Detroit. So Lejoie is a beloved veteran, and Cobb is known as a racist punk, which mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the same point, I did have a note here. That might have helped with his uh, popularity in some parts of the country, though. Yeah, Cobb's popularity? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways. Uh, so a week later, by the end of play on September 27th, Lejoie held... The edge with a 371 batting average with Cobb biting at his heels, hitting 370. Then it was Cobb's turn to go on a heater. Damn, they're going back and forth here. Yeah. Cobb went 8 for 12 and jumped out in front with a 378 batting average, but with a week left, the two teams would meet for a doubleheader on October 5th. And all eyes were on the two batsmen. Yeah, this is, this, I'm getting excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> What he, happened? Both players would go three for six. Oh, shit. Fucking blow for blow here. Yeah, it was a doubleheader. Uh, so they both went three for six. Uh, Cobb went into the final series. Uh, oh, Cobb does not go into the final series with, with a six-point lead on old nap. But he does get a couple hits in the first game. So they both have four game sets to finish the season. Okay. And who's ahead? Uh, Are I they believe, even? I believe they're pretty. No, Cobb's ahead. He's okay. ahead by he's three seventy eight because he went on the heater. Yeah. Uh, and and Lejoie's sitting in the low three like three seventy one three seventy two at this okay. point. Okay. Okay. So Detroit goes to Chicago to play the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Four game series. Cleveland packs their bags. They head to St. Louis. To face off against Jack O'Connor and the dreadful Browns. St. Louis Browns. Uh, Browns are shitty. Browns yeah. are shitty. That's why they're called the Browns. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> don't think that's why, but it's fitting. So, remember, Nap's playing catch-up here. Mm-hmm. And Cobb plays the first two games in Chicago, and he goes four for seven. Okay, so he's setting the tone. Yeah. 383 fuck okay yeah see basically he's 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 locking he's locking it up is what you're kind of implying here i think i yeah so on saturday october 8th the day after uh lejoie would go one for four uh and that would that would put his batting average at 375 uh so, and that one hit, mm-hmm. according to some people, wasn't a hit. Was not a, wasn't a hit? Yes. Dare I say it was an error. Okay. As Hub Northen, great name, <laughs> center fielder for the St. Louis Browns, had gotten a glove on the ball. All right. But it dropped to the ground. Right. So that was scored a double for Nap. And he's hitting 375 now, and Cobb is hitting 383. 383. Yeah. Yes. He's got eight points. Yeah. And at this point in the season with this many at-bats, that's pretty, he's 
but he's probably at least a couple hits behind now. He's yeah. Probably two hits behind, I'm thinking. Yeah, but Cobb still has two games, right? Right. No, he doesn't. He doesn't? Cobb packs up and leaves. Because he thinks he's got it locked up? He thinks he's got it he's locked up. He's like, I'm done. I'm going to pick up my Chalmers fucking 30 here. Well, he claimed his eyesight was bothering him again. But he went four for seven. Yeah, what's he talking about? And was just like, eh, my eyes hurt. Okay. Uh, so basically he took Saturday, Sunday off and uh, sat out. Probably started flipping through like custom car magazines. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what kind of features am I going to get on this <laughs> Now, do I pick teal yeah. or do I go with a darker one? A darker Luke, shows more dust. And then Chalmers was back at the... At the Chalmers factory, like, hang on, I got a guy on the wire, on the line about some white walls. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Nap has two games left after this, and Cobb decides, screw it. So the Cleveland Bay plain dealer speculated it was a faint heart, not faint eyesight, that prevented Cobb from playing. <laughs> he's, he's calling Cobb scared. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they call him I don't scared. Know what he would be scared of? But at the same point, he's about eight points up, and like Lejoie has to go eight for eight. That's what I mean. Like he's got to like make a pretty. He's, yeah, he's got a pretty hefty lead. I think. Yeah, exactly. So nevertheless, Lejoie and the Naps showed up for one last doubleheader at Sportsman Park in St. Louis on the morning of October 9th. 1910. All right. I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Any hope of a positive season was long in the rearview mirror for both clubs, and the two teams went about the motions as any languishing teams do on the last days of the season. But there was something else in the air. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Fans knew what it was that if Lejoie co- could collect a hit in every one of his at-bats that day, he may still be able to edge out Cobb. And remember, they don't know for sure, but everyone's doing their own math. In- right. So, right. yeah. This one is all news- just kind of speculation, but they're all... One newspaper's know. probably like, he has to have eight hits. One's it's probably like, he has to have tall. seven. It's an insanely tall order. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jack O'Connor, who was manager for the Browns, moved a few player of his players around. Now, once again, not a weird thing in the last days of the season, uh-huh. necessarily, given yeah. guys... Uh, yeah, you give some guys an, an, another, uh, an extra look or whatever for next year, your prospects kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if September calling up was, like, a, a thing, thing back then, but... Yeah, yeah. It's what they do now, so... Yeah, so he puts rookie shortstop Red Corridan... At third base for the doubleheader. Before the game, he warned the rookie about the hot corner and the powerful right-handed cleanup hitter, Lejoie. Okay. As Lejoie stepped into the batter's box in the first at-bat of the day, the manager, O'Connor, gave out a stern warning. He'll tear your head off with a line drive. Stay back. <laughs> Just like intimidating the shit out of his rookie players. Yes. <laughs> so, what young... I wonder if that's intentional. Young Red did not need to worry about this as Nap blasted a triple off the center field wall. Okay. 
Lejoie was one for mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. It's one. Yeah. Mark that down. In his next at bat, Red Corridan had both feel, feet on the outfield grass, <laughs> and Lejoie got set in the batter's box. And Lejoie dropped down a bunt. Oh, crafty. Crafty. He's a veteran, right? So He is. Lejoie. It's two for two. It's two for two. Alrighty. Apparently, this rookie did not learn his lesson. And in at bat three, and at bat four, Lejoie dropped down a bunt. (laughs) Okay. So whatever that manager was talking about ripping his fucking head off was, at this point, bullshit. Yeah. Okay. So game one finishes, and Lejoie is four for four. Okay. The Browns also walked there. off the game five to four, but who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Naps, Nobody. Nappy's four for Nobody. four. Nobody. Nobody cares. Right. In game two, all the chatter was about Lejoie. The Browns pitcher was Alex Malloy, who I am fairly certain is a ghost based on his baseball <laughs> reference picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, there's a few beauty baseball reference pictures in the research <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> Um, the Naps countered with Cy Falkenberg, and in front of 8,000 people, what followed would be the climax of one of the best stories of the dead ball era. Okay. Uh, so you would think that they would have learned their lesson. And as LeJoie <laughs> strolls up to the plate in the first at bat of game two... Red Corridan's feet stood firmly on the outfield grass. And Nap Lejoie bunted. Correct. Okay. Five for five? Five for five. All right. Now, for his sixth at bat. <laughs> All right. Where was Corridan standing this time? About the same place. All right. Um, now, I believe there's a runner on second. Right. Not 100% okay. on this one, but there's runners on base. Right. Um, the outfield or the infielders are playing back. And Lejoie bunts, but he hits it hard. Uh, and the ball's fielded by not the third baseman, but the shortstop. Mm-hmm. And Nap beats out the throw. All right. The six ru- for six. The official score rules it a sacrifice oh okay yeah the rules i believe at the time were you know it was the scorer's discretion of whether he was trying to hit it get a hit or Mm -hmm. move the runner right um but this is the weird part you'd think like if he did he make it he made it he's safe i'll just fucking rule it a hit at that point but he doesn't. Okay. And for some reason, after the play, St. Louis's pitching coach, also heard scout, also heard pitcher, I'm going with pitching coach, uh-huh. uh, Harry Howell went up to the scorer's box and pulled the official scorer, Evie Parrish, aside. What was said <laughs> is contested, but essentially the Browns pitching coach, the pitching coach of the of other the opposing team, the other yes. team, yes. Offered Parrish a bribe, in his words, to do well by Lejoie. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's the right call, but, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know what's at play here, but, like. Yes. It's just a, I don't, I don't. 
why did he care so much? So some people say the bribe was money. Uh-huh. Uh, other accounts say he told him to do good by Le Joie. And after the fact, the Browns' bat boy handed him a note saying Howell would buy this man a three-piece suit in exchange for marking it a hit. <laughs> I'll get you a ride in the car. <laughs> Your clothes are looking a little dusty. <laughs> you could use a new suit, if yeah. you know what I mean, just like Le Joie could have used a hit. <laughs> okay. Uh, a, I mean, I, yeah, it's a, it's a weird bribe, but... I guess it makes sense at yep. that time. So Paris stands his ground. Would be nice. So Paris stands his ground and says, no, it's a, it's it's a, a na- sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Okay. So holy shit. At this point, it's clear that the Browns maybe want Lejoie to get all these hits. They, they must really hate Ty Cobb, I guess. But everyone hates Ty Cobb outside of Detroit. <laughs> so that is the thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, this becomes very conspicuous. Mm-hmm. Very conspicuous. Right. Remember what you said? Gambling. Well, not gambling per se, but maybe. Remember what you said when he laid down his first bunt? No. You said said crafty. He's a veteran. he's a crafty guy. Yeah, Yeah, he's a veteran, right? Right. But after five more... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it is weird that he keeps getting hits in the same fashion. That he just keeps laying down a bunt and beating it out. And And if I were to tell you, Edzie, that Napoleon Lejoie, whatever Ken Burns calls him. Lejoie. Lejoie proceeds to lay down three more bunts. Oh my fuck. And gets three more singles, making the... Making sacrifice it without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Irrelevant. Irrelevant yeah. as red cord and counted blades of grass in shallow left field. I feel like you're just saying that as like a he didn't really count blades no, of grass. No, I'm, okay. I'm being yeah. metaphorical. Hyperbolic? Is that the right metaphorical? Thing? Anyways, um Lejoie finishes the day eight for eight. Mm-hmm. In nine at bats. Yeah. So not only me, I forgot to mention when we were going back and forth about about people's motives for this. Mm-hmm. Remember, people are freshly pissed because Cobb has essentially walked away. Right. The Detroit Tigers were a very good team, mm-hmm. and he just you know obviously they weren't going to win the pennant. No, but he walked away for the last two days. Well, people still want to. See, people who pay their tickets still want to see the best players. Like they still want to go and see Ty Cobb play. So could this like fresh news story and the fresh like could that have pushed the Browns over? Um, well, as you as you were saying earlier, it seems like you wouldn't necessarily get that news. You would right they, away. Would they you? Would they would know? They if, would know about that if 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 on because this is on Sunday. Right. I mean, I guess. You know what? I don't know. Because I right. don't know, right? Like, would they, Would they? you know, certainly not by Saturday, you wouldn't think. Yeah. But anyways, Lejoie has gone eight for eight and won the Chalmers race. And some of the first people to congratulate him are the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Eight of whom sign a congratulatory telegram. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Fuck. 
Uh, yeah, they did not have social media back then, but there were two very clear sides. But at the same point, there were the baseball purists and the media who immediately said, yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> hold <laughs> like, on a second. Hold, yeah. hold yeah. on a second. And people that supported Cobb were right fucking pissed. Yeah. Right? So the Detroit Free Press called the game a farce, a hippodrome which should be investigated by the highest authorities. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're upset. They're upset. Um, pressure grew for an investigation into the Browns' complicity, and the local St. Louis papers even proclaimed that the people of St. Louis should buy Cobb a car after what their team had done. <laughs> Take it out of the tax money. <laughs> buy him a Studebaker. <laughs> well, so so even, you know, St. Louis, you know, maybe their manager wanted LeJoie to get it, but it was pretty scummy. Um, to go on some more uh, press, uh, the New York Morning Telegraph columnist Haywood Brown wrote, As the world knows now, Tyrus Raymond Cobb is less popular than Napoleon Lajoie. Perhaps Cobb is the least popular player who ever lived. Whether you like or dislike this young fellow, you must concede him one virtue, what he has won. He has taken by the might of his own play. He asks no quarter, and he gives none. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's a fair point to make. I mean, it's kind of Cobb's legacy over time. He's total terrible, terrible person. But you can't... It's true. You cannot take away the fact that... I mean, he's got the highest career average of anybody. Well, and the funny thing is here, he's not a dick. Okay. He, he's kind of like, yeah, whatever. All right. Oh, okay. In this situation. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's kind of got cake on his face that he didn't play in those last yeah, two games. Yeah, he kind of cockily walked away. If he, if he like, goes four for seven in those last two games, it's... Yeah, there's no question. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, even if he go Well, I guess he'd have to go at least... Yeah, he'd have to go at least, like, three for eight. I don't know. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyways, he's, he's just like, whatever. Uh, but Ban Johnson? No... Ben, no, Ban Johnson's yeah. Per, well, Ban Ban Johnson was like adamantly, you know, Ban Johnson's like mission statement was like clean up the game. hundred so, like, percent. Yeah, and he's president of the American League, I believe. Um, he's not happy about this and the bad publicity that it is creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes the Detroit Free Press up on their suggestion and starts an investigation. And here's what he has to say, and I love this because this is the kind of like weird double speak that we hear from Major League Baseball commissioners and stuff nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in our cheating scandals, this yeah. is great. I'll try to read this well. Um, These reports out of St. Louis may not be altogether true, but I intend to find out and have started an investigation of them to learn the facts regarding those hits credited to Lajoie. Until I have learned the truth, I will not decide what course to pursue. Hmm, okay, so he's like kind of, like you say, that double speak where he like draws a hard line, but he's like not really making I'm, any sort of implication one way or the other, which kind of gives him the freedom to sort of, if he finds out what he doesn't want to find out, he can kind of mask it a little bit too, right? A, a little bit. Um, 
yeah, and he's kind of saying, I'm going to take this seriously, mm-hmm. uh, but it probably doesn't know what he's going to do yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Um, so O'Connor's uh, defense, the, oh, the St. Louis Browns manager, mm-hmm. uh, after the game, uh, to Johnson and to the media, was that LeJoie had simply outsmarted him by playing small ball. I quote, Lejoie guessed us. We figured he didn't have the nerve to bunt every single time. He beat us at our own game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you could you could argue that, but if you are going to make that argument, you could also argue that you're really dumb for not making any sort of defenses towards that. Maybe you should be... He f- won't do it again. Stand way back. <laughs> Everyone back up. Yeah, yeah. We don't need a catcher. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He wouldn't possibly dream to do it four times in a row. Yeah. So, um, Lejoie, obviously wanting to protect his own image, uh, used this opportunity to say the same thing. He sent a telegram to the press stating, After I made my first hit, a clean drive to center for three bases, the St. Louis men played deep, expecting me to pound the ball every time. I fooled them right along. The pitchers did their best to deceive me. That I'm certain. All right, so they're keeping their story straight. Yeah, yeah. And I think you might be playing off what O'Connor's saying a little bit. Just being like, yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> and they they really pitched me hard, but I was able to bunt every time. I'm Nap Lejoie. Yeah, they named a team after me. What Nap Lejoie didn't tell the press right away was that he had made a call to Mister Parrish the night of the game. Is that who's, the is official that the, score? Oh, <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, Mister Parrish claimed in the investigation that he received a call from a Mr. Lejoie asking, is there no chance you see nine hits? <laughs> so what before the game? No, after the oh, game, after, after okay. the game. So there's still so, so chaffed him, about that. He wants him to change that error to a hit. Because still. once again, this is close. They're both basically at 380. Yeah. Yeah. Three. So but he wants anything to bump him over, and like be, to make it a hundred percent. He wants insurance. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the league's going to announce this. They're fairly certain, but it's it's basically tied with Lejoie, maybe like a point hundredth of a point ahead. Uh-huh. Um, Lejoie would admit to making the phone call, but said it was at the urging of his teammates. Mm. So once again, trying to protect himself by being like, they told me they were mad. I just, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just caught. Oh yeah, you don't know. It's not a hit. It's still not a hit. It's still not a hit. It's still not a hit. Okay, I'll hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask on behalf of the second baseman now. Is it still a hit? It's still not a hit. <laughs> uh, so, young Red Corin was pulled into the commissioner's office as well. Uh, and he was interrogated. Basically, everybody, not everybody at this game, but the umpires, the managers. Listen, show us the grass in your pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone involved is 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 pulled up to Chicago. At least four ounces of grass in here. He was picking so much grass. In- <laughs> Gordon's been selling grass from third base. Yeah. Um, so uh, they all get pulled into the commissioner's office and interrogated. He claimed he was just a rookie listening to his manager who mm-hmm. kept telling him to play back, mm-hmm. play back, right? So he stands by his story. Uh, O'Connor and Harry Howell... Uh, 
stand by theirs. Harry Howell's like, I was just like, no, he needed a hit there. And I just, I was just, you know, like he really has got nothing because yeah, yeah. he went to bribe the official score. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a leg to stand on. I'm just not going to say Yeah, <laughs> so, so Johnson would buy a Red Corrin's story, uh, but he would not buy O'Connor or Harry Howell's story. So on his way back to St. Louis, he's on the train. O'Connor, uh, he's awoken by a, a porter on a on a Pullman train. Another mm-hmm. another fucking mm-hmm. Pullman goddamn Pullman train. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's uh, <laughs> the guy's like, "Hey, you've been banned from baseball." <laughs> oh, man, what a horrible thing to wake up to. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry to wake you, sir. <laughs> You'll just never be able to do any of the things that you've been doing for the whole part of your life before this day. Sorry. Your career? Yeah. Over. Yep. You better think about something else. Why don't you just get off this train right now? <laughs> <laughs> you, we've already thrown your luggage out of the caboose. Yeah. <laughs> ben Johnson basically yeah. owns this side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said side. I meant to say Midwest. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I wonder if like that's where the term band came from. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it was used in the English language before Ben Johnson became Maybe American. Maybe that's why he's known as Ben. <laughs> yeah, I know that's not his real name. Anyways, I don't give a fuck about Ben Johnson. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Lejoie, uh, despite his phone call, uh, was cleared of any misdoings, uh, as was Greg Corden. So, basically, the wildest thing of this story, and I know people have free will. And they didn't have to do the things they did, but imagine, like, Harry Howell and and uh, Jack O'Connor, like, oh, did you hear about that Chalmers car thing? That'll be fun. Not knowing that it would lead to them being banned from baseball <laughs> <Yeah>. forever. <Yeah. laughs> like, I, I just love, you know, that, that kind of butterfly effect. Yeah, very strong consequences yeah. of, like, trying to help a solid dude out. Ooh, sports marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What happened there? I can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now you probably think the story is over. But no. Okay. Johnson orders a review of all of the joie and Cobb's at-bats in 1910. And Fuck, he's going for a full audit. And an error is discovered. Oh, shit. Okay. One game of a doubleheader played on September 24th was not recorded... And in that game, Ty Cobb got two hits. All right. In That's three at-bats. In three at-bats, yeah. I should say. It wasn't in, like, seven at-bats. Yeah. In three yeah. at-bats. He went two for three. Yeah. So it should boost the average a little bit. So six days after the regular season has ended, and this is still before the World Series, mm-hmm. this has been a shit show for Major League Baseball. All the papers talking about, you know, was was Lejoie's hits legit? Mm-hmm. Were they not legit? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have to say, J- Johnson does say, you know, he can't fault Lejoie and the hits have to be counted. Right? Right. And he bans O'Connor and Howell, but he's like, well, before we end this, we're doing a full audit. And oh, Cobb got two extra hits. So so Cobb wins the car? Or yes. wins the title, at least? I don't know what happens with the car, but... I will quote. Okay. I will certify 
that Cobb has a clear title to the leadership of the American League batsmen for 1910 and is therefore entitled to the Chalmers Trophy. Oh, shit. Okay, so those two guys got their asses banned from baseball for fucking nothing. nothing. Oh, man. Nothing. <laughs> and for six days, LeJoie gets to celebrate. Yeah, did he get the car? Did he get the friends of Repo Man shows up and just takes his fucking <laughs> no, car? Remember, the, I believe the World Series, the, the, the season ended on the the ninth, and, and the World Series, I think, was being oh, held on the... the right. The eighteenth, I, I think, was the first day. Okay, so they got a week or so in their ten days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so I forgot it wasn't being presented until the first game of the series. Yeah. So, so Hugh Chalmers, who definitely thought the campaign was going to be an easy slam dunk for the company, mm-hmm. you now, although it has created a lot of buzz for the yeah, company, I was going to say it's still a little bit of a PR nightmare with people angry on mm-hmm. either side mm-hmm. because. People celebrated yeah, LeJoie, and then people were mad that Cobb didn't get it, and now it's been reversed, and Cobb's going to get it, and people are now a little bit pissy that is not going to get it. Okay. So Johnson basically just says, look, man, just give him, give him both a fucking car. <laughs> you get the front seat, and you get the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays, Fridays, and Mondays. See, you guys, get... we made up a schedule, okay? <laughs> You get the lease for a month, and then you get the lease for a month. <laughs> Sunday will be a driving day between Cleveland and Detroit. That's right. <laughs> get three days a week each. Uh, so, um, so he just says, fuck it. I'll give them both a car. Um, Chalmers so agrees. Chalmers is a big loser on this now. Well, Not yeah. really, but... Yeah, but it, it, it's a fancy car too. It's the equivalent of like getting a Tesla. It's 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 a it's not just any car. It's it's not the cheapest model. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's a hundred. I mean, it looks very classy. Yeah, it's it's probably double what someone at the time would make if they had a decent job, not like a not even a bad job, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Stop looking at the car. Okay. I'm All sorry. right. <laughs> I'm almost done here. Uh. So he agrees both cars were being given, and Lajoie's actually kind of pissy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Why? He's not fine. He's like, like I won that car fair and square yeah, with those sketchy I buns. <laughs> I, I didn't read into it too much. His wife is just like, look, man, just fucking take the car. Just go show uh-huh. up to Philadelphia or Chicago, wherever the hell the World Series is this year, and, and take the car. So they both get the car on the first day of the World Series. Uh-huh. And all is happy. And you'd think the story is over, but, but it's, it's not. not. Okay. <laughs> so the following season, the Chalmers Award was given to the player with a, not the highest batting average, but presented to the most important and useful player to the club and the league. Mm. So the promotion continued and they were like, fuck this batting. Mm. We're just going to get the writers to vote on like a most valuable, valuable player? player. Oh, okay. So this is really, you know, it's it's not really the true first most valuable player, but this f- shit show mm-hmm. was kind uh, of the pretense to it. Yeah. 100%. We might not have an MVP without Chalmers. <laughs> yeah, without Chalmers trying to sell his cars. Yeah. Right. Now, you probably think this story is over for good now, but one last note. When baseball stats were being transferred to computers in the late 1970s, Pete Palmer and Leonard Gettleson oh, no. noticed an inconsistency. Oh, fuck. <laughs> the doubleheader the Tigers had played on September 24th that hadn't been recorded. The last game in which Cobb had gone two for three 
It had, in fact, been it recorded. It had been recorded. Oh, so Ban Johnson fucked this all up. Meaning Lejoie and not Cobb won the Chalmers race. <laughs> so Lejoie was right to be pissed. They were dead. They were both very yeah. dead. Oh, I know. I, re- I realize that, but I'm just saying, in hindsight. Yes. You know. So when the sporting news got word Their of Their ghosts were like, she's like, see, I fucking told you, Cobb. <laughs> like, yeah, so, well, at least we both got cars. But <laughs> So when the sporting news published this in 1981, baseball essentially said, like, we don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was 70 years ago. Yeah. Go away. Um, but it was clear that not only an error had been made, but Johnson and his office at some point became aware of the error. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Was it before he proclaimed Cobb the champion? I don't know. Or was it after? <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. No one knows. Okay. And that's the story of the Chalmers race. Fuck. That's like... That's pretty intense. That's an interesting story of like uh, of uh, market promotion that like <laughs> got a ride. Just, just went crazy and like and it's weird that they. I mean, I guess I kind of see how they. Well, I guess I kind of see their motivation in like changing it to like the most valuable player kind of thing, but like. Like, I get their motivation being that they're like, this will be less complicated, but, like, not really. Like, now looking at it, that's way more complicated, and it's just, like, arbitrarily debatable, right? Yeah. Like, now it's, if you had just decided this is the batting title, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, it was complicated that year because there was all kinds of fucking around going on. <laughs> but if you just, like, made a commitment to keeping better stats, then, like, you know. <laughs> well, and, and the funny thing is that, that at this time, um, right, some... When Pete Rose was going after Ty Cobb mm-hmm. in 1981 when they found this out. Oh, okay. So now, I, I, I don't know the exact stat. I think Cobb has, like... 4,189 hits. But at the time, before this, eventually baseball was like, yeah, all right, we'll take away two hits. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's yeah, 89 instead of 91. Right. So, oh, okay. So, but it would have mattered, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. Pete Rose, and also it, in fact, does mean that Ty Cobb did not win in the batting title. I believe he won like four or five batting titles in a row. Right. This would have been like right in the, or this would have been the fourth, right? Oh, okay. so, so now it kind of, oh, yeah. So, so Lejoie should have actually won, right? So it, it it fucks up baseball history, but at the same point, not really. Lejoie I mean, shouldn't it have so won. Much more to it, anyway. Lejoie shouldn't have won. The, I mean, the the bunting side of things. I mean, I'm sure if Corridan comes in and plays at bunting depth, mm-hmm. he swings the bat. But yeah, that doesn't probably, guarantee that doesn't a hit. Mean he gets a hit. No. Yeah. No. I mean, that's just sketchy. And the fact that the other team was so invested in him getting that batting title is yeah. it's well, sketchy kinda, as shit. It's weird. It just kind of shows, like I was talking on kind of more towards the top of the episode, it just kind of shows that the the polarization between these like two players, you couldn't like really have to it's it's a prime example of like a very you know, disliked player and a well-loved veteran player that you know, everybody was pulling for. A hundred percent. You know, it would be, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a comparison. I, I It would be like 
Manny Machado in 2014 taking on Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good comparison. Come on. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, like like one guy that's you know fifteen years in, and one guy that's just a couple years in, but mm-hmm. really good, mm-hmm. but but kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not a dick anymore. I kind of like Bajano now. Yeah, I was gonna say like we're just. He kinda... was young when he played for the Orioles. Yeah. He was kind and of a was... dick. Well, the Orioles, I think the the Orioles rivalry probably added a little. We bit can just to that talk too, about yeah. players yeah. we like and dislike <laughs> for yeah. a while. We're not going. to. Uh, yeah, thanks for that story, Sean. That was yeah, a follow. great story of. Uh, yeah, sports marketing gone awry. That just like, and that's kind of you know interesting to know how that kind of developed into. I mean, MVP. I don't know if that's like the basis fully of the MVP, but essentially it is. You know, yeah, it sounds yeah, like yeah. it is. So. There's, it's not linear by any means. It's right. not like that happened year after year after year mm-hmm. and and leads us up to this day. Mm-hmm. I believe it was there was there was a little bit of a gap when obviously we don't drive Chalmers cars anymore. <laughs> no, no. So 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 I think there was a bit of a gap, and then the MVP came back in the late twenties, early thirties. Anyways, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in for some baseball history. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at doing dot baseball and is and that at the, doing baseball? Is yeah, the TikTok yeah, yeah. Too. Yeah, just check it out. Honestly, yeah. thanks so much. Feeling the love lately. We got some special guests coming up. We got some great baseball stories, and uh, we've had some great guests lately that we want to thank for being on the show too. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And thanks to uh, to Rick Hewn and the, the Sports Illustrated guy that wrote that those stuff because that was a fun story. Um, All right. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay, bye. Doing baseball. Bye. We didn't do the... No, we didn't. Okay, let's fucking get on that. Yeah, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we're doing baseball. Okay, bye. Bye. We're doing the baseball.